Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. been released, and it echoes reporting from 60 Minutes that plenty of unidentified flying objects remain just that, unidentified and mysterious. Here's David Martin. This strange encounter with an unidentified flying object is one of more than 140 U.S. intelligence cannot explain. This one was witnessed by the crews of two Navy jet fighters off the coast of California. There was four of us in the airplanes, literally watching this thing for roughly about five minutes. And as they told 60 Minutes, recording it on a targeting camera. In 2004, off the coast of California, an F-18 Super Hornet training exercise was suddenly interrupted by a call over the radio that would come to define Commander David Fravor's career. You know, there's certain things in your life where you just remember in vivid detail what happened. And that's one of them because it's honestly the strangest, most obscure thing I've ever seen flying. Fravor, the commanding officer of the Navy Strike Fighter Squadron 41 and another F-18 scrambled to check out an unusual radar blip 80 miles off the coast. So as we're looking around, the backseater in the other airplane comes up and says, hey, Skipper, do you see? And before he says it, I'm like, dude, do you see that? As soon as we look down, we see the whitewater, and then we see this little white tic tac. It's pointing north-south, and it's just going forward, back, left, right. It's just bouncing around? Yeah, like a ping pong ball. What was its shape? What was its, uh, what did it look like it was made out of? Like a perfectly smooth white tic tac. Or for people that need a bigger visualization, a giant propane tank. Fravor says the F-18s began circling, Fravor at 20,000 feet, and the so-called tic tac only about 50 feet above the surface of the water. And I say, hey, I'm gonna go check this thing out. And the other pilot stays and says, hey, I'm gonna stay up high. And then it starts coming up at us. We call it two circle fight, but it's coming up, I'm coming down. So it literally is aware we're there. There's no doubt because it mirrored me. So here it is, I cut across and I get to about half mile of it. You know, so I'm about halfway across the circle. So it gets in front of me, it just goes poof and it's gone. And it's gone like that fast. What do you mean poof, it's gone? I mean exactly that. Like it's one minute's there and the next second it's like magic trick. So I asked the other airplane, I said, hey, do you guys see that? And they're like, it's gone, it just disappeared. Once back on the carrier, Fravor's team told the next crew what had happened, and that crew took off ready to capture something on camera. And this is what they saw. I, I guess the biggest question is, what, what do you think it is? A report by this country's top intelligence officials acknowledges there have been 18 encounters in which so-called unexplained aerial phenomena demonstrate advanced technology U.S. experts cannot explain, which is what David Fravor has been saying ever since his encounter in 2004. I don't know who's building it, who's got the technology, who's got the brains, but there's, there's something out there that was better than our airplane. The report by the Office of National Intelligence found no evidence they came from outer space, nor any evidence that these unidentified objects belong to a country like Russia or China, which has made some stunning technological breakthrough that rewrites the laws of physics. Are they a threat? According to the intelligence report, pilots have reported 11 near misses. David Martin, CBS News, the Pentagon. 
Well, can you join me in saying, what in the world? All right, we've been talking about uh, some of the crazy things going on in our world, much of it being from the social side. But today we're going to kind of dive into some of the weird and unexplained um, for those of you that might be new or joining us online, I'm Pastor Joey. We want to say welcome to you. Um, we, uh, again, there's some things going on in our world that are puzzling. It's kind of chaotic, depending on uh, how often you watch the news or turn your television on. It seems like something else is, is falling apart or happening. And so we want to not just uh, look in the Word of God to see what we should be focusing on, but also how we should be responding as children of God, as believers in Christ, followers of Jesus, during these days. And so we are venturing out into the weird and unexplained in a subject you don't normally hear on a Sunday morning. When was the last time you heard a talk about UFOs on Sunday morning? Can I get a show of hands? No, you know, never, right? Right, but what's happening in our world, it, it, it brings us to this juncture where we need to discuss what in the world is going on and what it really means for believers as we are entering some, some times in the history of the world and really how to overcome some of the deceptions that are ahead in the future days. Jesus, before he uh, died and rose again, he talked to his disciples about what it would be like in the last days before his return. And we've look, looked at some of that, uh, what he was teaching. But in Matthew chapter 24, verse 24, and both Jesus and Paul, uh, in his writings in the book of Thessalonians, they both give us a warning of something that's coming on the earth in the last days before the return of Christ. In Matthew 24, Jesus says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. The elect are believers in Jesus Christ, those who have been born again, the people of God. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying there, is, there are people, there are prophets, and there are false Christs, false messiahs, false saviors that are going to arise in the last days, that are going to have great power, that it will be so convincing that everyone is going to believe what they have to say except for the believers in Jesus Christ. Because the Holy Spirit is the agent that reveals truth. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you will be able to see through the deception. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you will not. You will not. It's coming across the whole earth. So in the last days leading to Jesus' return, we have these false prophets, these false messiahs. Wanting people to trust in them for salvation, the salvation of their people, their nation, and the world. A false prophet is someone who claims to speak on behalf of God or the gods. To point people to place their allegiance in who the, the Messiah or these false messiahs are or these false deities. Again, a false prophet claims to speak on behalf of the deity. But when we look in scripture, what makes a false prophet a false prophet isn't necessarily that they predict something that doesn't come true, but it's that their motivation is to lead people away from the worship of the true God and into sin and idolatry. 
So if you look at the Old Testament, the, the prophet Balaam, he was a great prophet. He was known throughout the known world of being a great prophet. The only problem was he didn't worship God. And he led the nation of Israel into sin and idolatry and brought judgment on the people. So this is what we are looking for in these false prophets and these false messiahs, promising one thing but leading away to the truth. The fruit of their ministry will not be faithfulness to the truth, but it will be a great apostasy. This is what Paul says in the last days, there'll be a great falling away. There'll be an apostasy, people turning away from the faith they once held to. We see Jesus declare the same results uh, here of the ministry of these false messiahs and false prophets. These false saviors will be this deception so powerful, so convincing that it will lead many astray away from what they once originally believed. And if it were possible, believers would be swept up among them. So the only protection against this great deception is the presence of the Holy Spirit and the armor of God. If you read Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. Why? So that in the day of evil, you'll be able to stay standing firm. The armor of God. So we are entering into the last days. And Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2, 11 through 12, mirroring what God or Jesus is saying here in Matthew 24, he says, in the last days, God is going to send them a strong what? A strong delusion. Have you ever met a delusional person? Anybody? Don't look at your spouse. No elbows. But God is going to send a strong delusion. Why? So that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. In the last days, God is going to let everyone who said no to Jesus have what they asked for. He's going to give them a strong delusion that is going to permanently seal their faith. So Paul is agreeing with Jesus. He's going to hand a measure of authority over to the great deceiver, the enemy, before the return of Christ for this strong delusion that will be backed by signs and wonders, false signs and wonders that lead people astray. Those who haven't trusted in Christ authentically, legitimately, those who have not been born again. Beloved, have you been born again? Have you trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because they are going to, these false Christs, these false messiahs are going to lead people into a new religious system that will be so ingrained in society that you won't be able to accept anything else. And it will ultimately lead to destruction. So what could that strong delusion be? There have been many ideas over the years about what that strong delusion could be. But in the last year alone, one idea that was considered fanciful or unrealistic has actually become more legitimized with the world events, what's come along the world stage. Many have proposed uh, this idea, but were considered not credible, more so on the line of conspiracy theorists or, or wacky and crazy. But this year, the Pentagon, the FBI, and the Intelligence Committee were forced in the COVID relief bill to release a uh, briefing to the United States government on what they knew about UFOs. In the, the distant past, you think about the 40s and 50s, back when the Roswell, New Mexico, the big Roswell crash supposedly happened, they, the government, they released uh, a 
report called the Condon Report. They also had a program called Project Blue Book that was supposed to investigate these unknown sightings, these UFOs, and these different instances. And what both of those reports released back then was that these things were natural, natural phenomenon comprising mostly of swamp gas or weather balloons. You might have heard that. Kind of like what you see in the movies. You ever see the movie Men in Black? Right, the, the, um, the aliens do something weird and the men in black roll up and they got the flashy thing and it wipes the memory out and they're like, make up a story. They're like, no, that was just swamp gas over the horizon and blah, blah, blah. And that was the typical response from the government. Oh, that's crazy. Nothing to see here, folks. Move on. But this year, that all changed. This year, they didn't claim swamp gas or weather balloons. Over the last few decades, there have been multiple videos from naval and military forces, some of what you saw in the opening video, these institutions showing close call or near misses of UFOs that were leaked to the internet. There has been a growing fervor to know and understand what these things are, calling for official disclosure from the government about the UFO phenomenon, and it happened this year. They came forward with the COVID relief bill. They had their... Uh, intelligence committee meeting, and they revealed what they had uh, discovered through the years. Now, they had a classified meeting that had additional information, but they released a nine-page report to the, to the public about what they knew. And according to the New York Post, or New York Times, updated September 1st of this year, it says, American intelligence officials have found no evidence that aerial phenomenon witnessed by Navy pilots in recent years are alien spacecraft. So there's no evidence that they're aliens. But here's the important part. But they still cannot explain the unusual movements that have mystified science, scientists and the military. So to many people's dissatisfaction, they didn't have evidence of extraterrestrial life, these beings from another planet, to confirm that aliens really do exist. But what the report did was actually a couple of things. Number one, it ruled out this was not a secret American government agency endeavor. This wasn't anything our government was doing. They also confirmed that it wasn't the Chinese or the Russians. It wasn't any other bad actor that we have conflict with that, that could, could it have been... It, they're saying it might be, but they don't have any reasonable intelligence stating that it is any one of our enemies or any foreign actors. So, in other words, all they could tell us is what they know it's not. But they couldn't tell us what it actually is. Other than it's real. This is the first time in history that they have confirmed the existence of unidentified flying objects as a real phenomenon that defy the laws of physics, but they cannot explain what it is. In an interview with James Corden in the Late Late Show on CBS, former President Barack Obama said, what is true, and I'm actually being serious here, there is footage and records of objects in the skies and we don't know exactly what they are. The government and different people in the government are coming forward now not with the policy of denial, it's now a policy of confirmation. Why are they doing this? 
Well, for one, to enable other military personnel to reveal what they find if they have an encounter, to release information in the studies to, to help confirm. They now have made it more normal so scientists can begin actually exploring this without being vilified in culture. But the question is, why now? Why disclosure? Why are they trying to normalize this phenomenon so that when we see these things in the sky, we don't feel crazy when we see them? What are they trying to do? What do they really know? Or what are they trying to prepare the population for? See, for the believer in Jesus, the question I have to ask is not so much what's on the fanciful, but what does it mean for me? What does it mean for the believer in Christ? Why does it matter? Why do these discs, these lights in the sky matter? Well, it matters is because these have been in existence for thousands of years. They didn't just show up in the 1950s. It's on record and we have historical or archaeological finds that show images and pictures of these things all throughout history. But more so, we have these very things in our Bible. In Ezekiel chapter 1, God calls Ezekiel to be a prophet. And Ezekiel's hanging out by the Kibar River. And uh, all of a sudden, he sees this thing in the sky. The sky erupts into fire and flame, and the throne of God descends out of heaven. And as he's seeing the throne of God, he sees four living beings, four creatures that are accompanying the throne of God. And he begins to describe this scene and describe what these creatures looked like and, and what was going on. In Ezekiel chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, here's what the prophet records. He says, as for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning, and the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each four of them. As for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming of beryl. Beryl is a colorless uh, mineral, but frequently it's tinted by different impurities, giving it different colors. But it is the core of beryllium, which is steel gray. The four creatures, or the four wheels, had the same likeness in their appearance and their construction, being as if it were a wheel within a wheel. When they went, they went in any of their four directions without turning as they went. And their rims were tall and awesome. And their rims of all four were full of eyes all around. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose. Wherever the Spirit wanted to go, they went. And the wheels rose among with them. For the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. And when those went, these went, and when they stood, these stood, and when those rose from the earth, the wheels rose among with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. So Ezekiel is having this vision, this encounter with God in his presence, and he sees four living beings, and each of them have an accompanying vehicle or wheel within a wheel, some type of vehicle for their spirit. Another uh, way to translate the word spirit is their mind. So their physical body is here, but then there is a vehicle, a wheel within a wheel, 
that is actually contains their mind. There is some type of psychic connection or mental connection between the spirit and the vehicle that is with them. And they are moving about, darting to and fro at the speed of lightning. Just like Commander Fravor described the unidentified flying object in the opening video, darting back and forth, defying the laws of physics. This mirrors the description of many of the UFO encounters that we see in the world today. Objects defying the laws of physics, moving at hypersonic speed, appearing out of thin air, and disappearing again. See, the reason why this is important is that these wheels, these vehicles, they're connected to spiritual beings. These in particular in Ezekiel are connected to the throne guardians of the Lord. But we have to remember that the fallen realm, the fallen angelic realm, they are still as they were when they were created. They still operate as they are. And so if God's throne guardians have vehicles that move around with them, it's safe to say so does the demonic kingdom that once was in allegiance with Almighty God. See, Jesus says something very important regarding the last days. In Luke chapter 17, it's the parallel passage to Matthew 24. In Luke 17, he says something regarding the times that will be happening when he returns. He says in verse 26, just as it was in the days of Noah. Somebody say the days of Noah. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days when the Son of Man comes. So something about Noah's time is going to be reflective in the time that Jesus returns. In verse 27, he talks about the people. He says, they were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. So prior to the flood, people were going about their business, living their lives with zero regard of the coming judgment. The Judgment was being preached by Noah. It was being proclaimed that God's going to judge the earth. But people didn't care. They lived as they were. When God baptized the world in water and cleansed it from wickedness, people didn't even wonder. But the question is, is how did it become so wicked? Because man has been a sinner since the fall, since the Garden of Eden. Sin has always existed. So if sin has always happened, why did God choose back in the days of Noah to flood the earth? What was the point? What was going on? What, what made them so wicked that God thought it necessary to cleanse the earth and begin again? Well, it tells us in Genesis chapter 6. In Genesis chapter 6 verse 4, it says, The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward. Somebody say, and also afterward. So in the days of Noah, there are these beings called the Nephilim. They were there before the flood and also after the flood. Who were the Nephilim? Here's what it says. It says, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them, these were the mighty men of old, the men of renown. The word Nephilim can also be translated the giants. 
So in the days of Noah, there were the giants. Who were the giants? They were the children, the offspring of the sons of God and the women of earth. The term sons of God is only used in reference to one group or category of being in all of Scripture, in all of the Hebrew language, and that is the angelic hosts of heaven. Mankind are the sons of God on earth. The angels of glory are the sons of God in heaven. What's the Bible telling us in Genesis 6? Saying at some point there was a rebellion in heaven. Angels descended upon the earth after the fall. And these angels began to intermingle with humankind and brought forth a hybrid creature called the Nephilim. Not fully angel, not fully man. An abomination to the Lord. They were the giants, the offspring of the gods. In Jude chapter 6, in the New Testament, Jude writes, or in Jude verse 6, it says, And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Why did God send the flood? He sent the flood because of the angels who did not keep their position of authority, but left their habitation. And so he cleansed the earth he brought judgment not just on man, but also on these angelic beings who are kept in store for judgment. There are other writings during this time in the second temple period in history, like the book of Enoch, that shed light more so on what was happening here. But the picture of the days of Noah were not merely marked by a flood, but by this angelic rebellion where the angels or so-called sons of God rebelled and came to the earth. They gave not just, they didn't just intermingle with man, but you also see that they gave man technology that taught them how to do sorcery, how to create armaments for battle, and how to do many things that wreaked havoc and brought death and destruction upon the earth. The offspring were born unto them were the giants. Now, this story is repeated in every ancient culture across the planet. Every ancient culture we have on record has a record of the gods coming to the earth, half God, half humans being created, and also a worldwide flood coming across the earth. It's fascinating how there's the same story being told across the world. They're just different nuance depending on what culture they come from. There is a history that the whole world has been telling us, and this is the history. The Greeks called them the gods, children of the Titans, who overthrew the gods in order to take up their power. The Mesopotamians called them the Apkalu. There were many different um, names for these beings, but again, it's the same story. These angels were thrown into the underworld called Tartarus in the Greek mythology, and so on. We have the stories of the great gods. But in the, the stories of the other realms, the gods continue to rule and reign and run the earth. But the Bible tells us a different picture. The rest of the world elevates the gods, but the scripture elevates the only God. The sons of God didn't overthrow the titans. God, or Yahweh, overthrew the titans. In 2 Peter 2, 4, it says, If God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, into Tartarus, and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. Here we have the, the word Tartarus. It's the underworld. So when God judged the earth with the flood, 
he didn't, again, just purify the sinful mankind and save Noah and his family. He actually committed judgment against these angels that rebelled and cast them into the underworld. And there they stay until the day of judgment. And then after the flood, mankind decided they liked it how it was before. They didn't like the second chance God was giving them. In Genesis chapter 11, they decided that they were going to build a great city and build a tower into heaven to contact the gods to bring them back to the earth. And so God separated them into different languages and tribes. He separated them into different people groups and separated, like cast them out from that area. They began to travel and depart from one another. In history, we call this the great Uruk expansion as man began to leave Mesopotamia in search of other lands. In Deuteronomy 32.8, it says, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the what? The number of the sons of God. So when God separated the people into different languages and tribes, he disowned humanity. He said, you want to worship these things? You don't want to worship me anymore? You want to worship these things? Okay, fine. Here you go. And you have your own set of gods. And so every nation, every people group, every tribe on the planet was assigned gods. But what happened? Just like it said in the days of Noah, the giants were there before the flood and what? Also thereafter. The gods began to do the very same thing and the giants began to resurface on the earth, which is why when God led Israel uh, out of Egypt and into the promised land, he assigned Joshua the task of going into all of those nations that were occupying his, his land, his territory. And who were they going to fight? They're going to fight the giants. And they made war against the giants and they cleansed the land from the giants. And the giants fled into other nations. What leads judgment to the nations all throughout history is not simply idolatry or sin, but it's the abomination of intermingling humankind with angelic kind, corrupting the bloodline of humanity. See, God gave the commandment in creation that man was to reproduce after its own kind. And when the angelic rebellion came in, they began to work against what God had designed to create a world in their own image. In Genesis 6-9, the Bible says why... God chose Noah, wasn't that he was just a righteous man, but he was also perfect in his generations. In the original language, it means he was pure in his bloodline. There was no corruption, both physically or spiritually. And so God used Noah to repopulate the whole earth. So why is knowing what's going on in the days of Noah so important? It's because of what Jesus said. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when Jesus Christ returns. And the significance of the admission of the government of the United States to acknowledge the existence of UFOs, now called UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, has now opened the possibility to scientifically explore and give credibility to those who are believers in alien life and their eyewitnesses. And it doesn't just stop there. There have been groups um, that have formed throughout history, but even more recently, that are new age in nature, nature that have formed to pursue contact with these UFOs and with life from other worlds or other realms. And they are seeking them for knowledge and understanding. And I want to show you a clip here of a conversation between Demi Lovato, a, um, a 
popular singer in our day and a man named Dr. Stephen Greer, who is an American ufo ufologist who founded the Center of Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence and the Disclosure Project, who seeks um, full disclosure of all the alleged classified UFO information. Uh, Demi Lovato also has been in the papers recently uh, describing how she's had these alien encounters or encounters with extraterrestrial life. Also, how she's now defining herself as non-binary. So she's neither male nor female. Isn't that interesting that the angels are neither male nor female? Is that a coincidence? But I want you to listen to this interview and hear what they're talking about as they've made contact and are using really witchcraft, modern new age practices to connect or contact life from other planets. What is it that we know about ETs and what can we learn from them? Well, we know a great deal. I mean, the CE5 contact uh, program has been going on since 1990. So our group has gone out for 30 years making contact. And we've had contact with thousands of different ET craft and beings with thousands of people around the world. And what we have found is that there are several big themes. Number one, they're completely non-hostile. Number two, they're very worried about our hostility. Number three, all of their technologies are based in what we call the science of consciousness non-locality, what, what Einstein called the spooky effect in physics, where the cool. same thing could be in two places at the same time. That's what Einstein called it, the spooky effect. Oh, cool. So I didn't it, know that was a thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, because he couldn't quite understand what right. it was. Now we figured it out in what's called non-locality in physics, where but you can, these other dimensions are folded within space-time. So instead of going from a straight line, here's a star yes. system, here's a star system, you're actually going from here to here because it's folded. Right. It's a, it's a conscious quantum hologram. So it's all folded within each other. And that's what we're doing. We understand this in CE5 Contact. That app teaches people how to go into the meditative state to see those dimensions and then make contact. Now, the other thing that I learned when I was 18 and I had that experience is that the ETs were using uh, things that would look like a little device, like maybe our cell phone, but they, they were interfacing with consciousness and thought. So, you know, Elon Musk is working on Neuralink, trying to figure out how your computer can connect your, your thoughts. But the, this is doing it through the consciousness field. So their, their technologies are, are an outgrowth of higher understanding of consciousness, which is infinite and omnipresent. So that means since consciousness, and I'm not talking about some guru, I'm talking about everyone awake, that their ability to be awake, if you go into quiet mind, that aspect of your mind is everywhere. It's not limited by space or time. And that's why you can see in consciousness a future event, a past event, or something going on right now. The CIA would call this remote viewing. But the ancient masters called it being enlightened, being having your third eye open. And so that's, these ETs have mastered the science of consciousness to such a degree that it's not only just their own personal experience, but all their technologies are an outgrowth of it. I think it's really important for people to understand the solutions to these big justice, 
social justice and environmental problems exist. But they're being kept away from the public because the, the foxes are guarding the hen house. The people who benefit from the current order and system don't want those technologies out. Uh, it's a very scary business and it's real. And I tell people, we're gonna have to come together as a global community to correct that because that's the, the big lie they keep saying every news story. The United States doesn't have anything that can fly like this. That is simply provably false. And then the third big lie is when I mentioned it, uh, that it's a threat to the national security, that these objects are a threat to the national security. Ironically, the ETs came in big numbers after we started detonating atomic and nuclear bombs mm -hmm. because they saw that we were in trouble, mm -hmm. but also that when we detonate an atomic bomb, everyone knows when electromagnetic pulses, what they don't know is that there's also what are called scalar uh, electromagnetic signals that go beyond the speed of light that damage ET worlds and oh, damage. No. So we have done so much damage uh, in the cosmos. So it's not just limited to where you see that blast. I think that people need to understand that the ETs are concerned about our yes. hostility and our tendency to destroy the entire world. And they're here to help us, not to yes. hurt us. They're here to assist and to understand, but they're not going to intervene. A lot of people say, well, why don't they just fly in? You know, Larry King, he asked me when I was on his show, why don't they just land on the White House lawn? I said, well, first of all, if they did, they'd be blown up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, they're expecting us, the children of the earth, to come together in peace, to make contact with them and fix these problems. Because if they were to come in and force a solution, it would be like us invading Afghanistan, forcing uh, the warlords to become democratic. It doesn't work. That has to come from within the people. We, the people, have to do it. We, the people, have to end all these big problems. It isn't enough to say we're all one people. We have to say we're all one universal people because now we're dealing with intelligent life forms that aren't even human. Mm -hmm. So, and, and how do we transcend this tendency we all have to break into fighting little groups and become one peacefully? I think the answer is not necessarily religious, but deeply spiritual. This, this understanding that we're all conscious beings and that consciousness and that spirit is actually universal, that the light in your eyes and mine and the awareness we have is the same awareness an ET from the Andromeda galaxy has. I don't know if that freaked you out as much as it did me. But as you catch there at the end, he said, the answer to bringing us all one is not really religious. It's recognizing the collective consciousness and that we're all one. The only thing that's going to bring us together is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's a false prophet for false messiahs. So he's, Dr. Stephen Greer through the practice of meditation and other new age realms, he's found a way to contact beings from another plane of existence and they are presenting themselves as concerned citizens of the cosmos, saviors, here to help. But what he said was, is they want mankind to make contact 
like building a tower into the heavens. To yield our sovereignty over to their influence and control. Never mind the countless stories of alien abduction and human experimentation and all the creepy things that go along with that. But they're using people like Stephen Greer to be false prophets to propagate a false message that they're truly mankind's saviors. Just like Jesus said, in the last days, there'll be false Christs and false prophets. There's so, so much in that interview. But to make matters worse, as you have now people that are actually contacting these beings, I also like how he said we have to come together as a collective whole, right? Anybody here of a one-world government, a one-world society? Does that sound familiar? And this is what's coming from these entities on the other side, okay? To make matters worse, for some time now, the, the world has been priming for this moment. One of the largest Christian communities and denominations has been preparing their people and the Christian faith to include ETs into the faith, and not just include them into the faith, but also give them a position of influence over the faith. On Crux.com, um, in an interview in 2002 with U.S. Catholic uh, Consul Mango, he said that he would be happy to baptize aliens if they wanted to. Any entity, no matter how many tentacles it has, has a soul, he said. And recently the Pope agreed. He said, yes, if we made alien contact and they wanted to be baptized, what, what would prevent us from baptizing aliens into the church? Christians do not have to renounce their faith in God just because of new unexpected information of a religious nature regarding extraterrestrial civilizations, said Giuseppe Tanzella Nitti, a Vatican astronomer and theologian. He goes on and he says, once believers will have verified that these alien civilizations come from another planet, he said, they will have to conduct a re-reading of the gospel in light of this new data. This man represents the Catholic Church. He, the Catholic Church has one of the largest um, efforts in space and discovery of um, astrological things. They, they have a radio telescope, one of the largest radio telescopes in the world that uh, actually can look on the infrared spectrum so they can see things that we can't see with the naked eye. That infrared uh, uh, telescope is actually called the Lucifer device. It's a great name. But they have a high vested interest in space, in finding other worlds. And here, these officials from the Catholic Church are saying, if we discover life on other planets, if we make contact, and they bring us information about the way the world and the universe really is, we're going to have to rethink what we've historically believed in light of this new information. In other words, we need to reinterpret the word of God based on what these entities share with us. Does that not sound like the Garden of Eden? When Satan comes to Eve in the garden and says, how come you're not eating of that tree in the middle? And she said, God said we can't eat of that tree. We're not even supposed to touch it. Or we might die. And he says, God knows you're not going to die. He knows you'll become like gods, knowing good and evil. And she looked at the tree and saw it was good for food, and she ate it. What did the devil do? He caused her to question God's word. 
and trust in the information he was saying. And in that video with Dr. Greer, he, he said, we have to stop looking at things the way we are and recognize it's a collective consciousness, that there's more information. We have to start viewing ourselves as part of a collective whole, that we have space brothers out there that we're connected to. And this whole lie and deception that's being propagated. And we have religious groups and institutions that are priming the world to receive the deception when it comes. See, both Jesus and Paul reveal to us in the last days there will be a great apostasy, a falling away from the faith. And if Giuseppe Tanzelaniti is right and believers the world over reinterpret the gospel in light of this new information from our space brothers, there will be a mass falling away due to a mass delusion or more so a great deception. So why is the U.S. government and governments of the world becoming so forthright in the confirmation of the revelation of UFOs? May it be because they're preparing the world for something. Something that Jesus said happened in the last days or would happen in the last days, just like in the days of Noah, when the sons of God appeared and began to commingle with mankind and corrupt man's way upon the earth as they ruled the earth as gods. And when they do, they'll come with power to deceive the world and if it were possible, to deceive the very elect. And as crazy as this sounds, as, as you really think about the reality that now these things are confirmed, it's not just an idea or myth or something fun you see in a movie. This has been confirmed as a real phenomenon. It might be easy to become afraid or alarmed, but I want to encourage you not to. Don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. In Luke 21, 28 through 36, Jesus said, Now when you see these things take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing nigh. And then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out and leaf and you see yourselves that you know the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. As we look at what's happening in the world and we look at from a biblical perspective of what might be coming and what we should be doing here as we await the return of Christ, Jesus tells us really three important things as we see these things come upon the earth. Number one, don't look down in despair. Look up to your blessed hope. Look up. The more we see this happen, the closer we are to that trumpet sounding. And the sky being rolled back like a scroll and Jesus returning. Jesus is at the door, beloved. Number two, be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Don't get consumed with partying and the drunken lifestyle or the drama and the chaos of the world. Don't be carried away in the deceptions and, and all the the craziness that we see all the time, the politics. It's so easy to do. I'm, I'm one of those that I turn on the news and I just get sucked into all the drama. Sometimes you just got to turn that stuff off and get out of the drama and get into the Word of God. 
Be sober-minded. Be, think clearly. See your world as it is. Live and fulfill your assignment. Number three, he says, and pray. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Pray in the spirit at all times in Ephesians chapter six and on every occasion. What are we to do in the last days as we're looking up, waiting for him to return and and staying grounded so we're not swayed and, and, and turned aside? We pray, we focus on our connection to the spirit of God and our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We strengthen and build up each other, praying for each other, praying over each other, interceding for one another. So we can stand strong in difficult times. And then what's he say? He says, then you won't be ashamed when you appear before Christ. Why? Because you didn't fall away. You held on to your faith. You fulfilled your work. And the Lord can say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, this is why we have a vision for this building that we want to build. We have a vision for a house of prayer not just so that people can come be prayed over, but we have a place that has prayer happening continually every day, all throughout the week, where people can come and get before the Lord and be filled with his presence. And that we can release his presence in this city to provide a place not just to be ministered to, but a place of intercession where we can call on God and the armies of heaven to act on behalf of the world. As we think about these things, as we're looking up, as we're trying to stay sober-minded, grounded, as we continue to seek in prayer, and we're going to begin praying together here in just a moment. We can actually have the prayer music go. We'll begin to close. The first question I have for you today, and really think about this. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you been born again? Has there been a time in your life where you acknowledged, yes, God, I'm a sinner. I see these, all the ways I've made mistakes. But you accepted the sacrifice of Christ as the payment for your sin. And you proclaimed him with your mouth. Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. The Bible says in Romans 9 or 10, if you confess Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart, God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be born again. The Spirit of God will come live in you. Have you had that moment of decision where you gave Jesus your heart and your life? Because now more than ever, that is the most important decision you could ever make. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you hear his voice? Do you know the Lord? If the answer is yes to that question, then I would ask, how's your relationship with Jesus? Are you being caught up in the drama? Are you being pulled away? Are you distant? Is your spiritual life dry? Are you just going through the motions? Or is your heart on fire for the King of Kings? Number three, are you ready to stand against the deception coming to the earth? Are you ready? Are you ready when the day comes to stand strong in the day of battle? How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Is it the quick shotgun prayers over meals? Or the quick shotgun prayers before bed? Or are you on your hands and knees before the Lord daily, communing with God, hearing His heart, 
learning his voice, learning what he wants for your, your life, letting him teach you through his word. Are you born again? Are you growing in Christ? And are you ready to stand? Let's bow our heads as we go into a time of prayer in this moment. We encourage our prayer team to come forward. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you've given us a glimpse of these things before they happen. The Holy Spirit, I thank you, God, that you've been sent as a comforter, that Jesus has not left us comfortless, that we have the greatest comforter we could ever have, the Holy Spirit of God, that no matter where we are, what we're going through, we know you are always with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us, giving us strength in our moments of great weakness. Holy Spirit, I ask you to do what only you can do. If there is someone here that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, they've been religious, they've walked that Christian, that Christian duty their whole lives, but there's never been a time where they've allowed the reality of their, their, their soul to be broken and say, I need a Savior. I need, I can't do this on my own. I want to give my life to Jesus. God, I pray that you would draw them as we go into a time of prayer, Lord, that they would be brave enough to come forward, that we could pray with them and lead them through the most important decision they could ever make. One step of faith for an eternity of favor of the King of Kings. God, I pray for everyone here, Lord. I pray for those who are struggling in their relationship with God. They've got so much drama, so much chaos in their life. It just feels like their spiritual life is dry. Lord, I pray you begin to fill them with your spirit. Begin to renew them. Begin a fresh wind, a fresh fire of the Lord to come upon them, God, that your presence would descend upon them. In this cold room, God, I pray you begin to heat them up in the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, for the discouraged I pray, God, for the lonely. I pray, God, for those that are just struggling to get through the day. God, that you would give them a revelation of prayer. Teach them to tap in to the presence of God, to receive the comfort of the Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that in the days ahead, maybe years, maybe decades, but when the day comes, I thank you that your bride will stand strong against the deception. The church will remain pure. Lord, they were persecuting you. We know that they're going to persecute us. But God, may we be found faithful. We thank you, God, for your love. And I just pray for those that are sick, those that are hurting that you extend your healing power now and that you would touch hearts and lives in Jesus' name. From all of us at Vertical Life Church, we want to say thank you for listening. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to www.blchurch.tv forward slash give. 
Thank you, and God bless.